This is Local Color, distributed by Your Public Studios, a podcast dedicated to the black artists, entrepreneurs, and social innovators using their talents to make the DMV a better place. I'm your host, Jason V, and on the show today, Twitch streamer and anime cosplayer Nikki Nanami. Now, if the words Twitch and cosplay don't mean anything to you, either you're old or you aren't what we'd call a nerd. But being a nerd is the wave now, a wave Nikki's been riding since before it was cool. It's had its ups and downs, but streaming and cosplay represent big parts of her life and the lives of a growing population in the black community. When you're a kid, certain behavior is acceptable. Being scared of the dark or under your bed because of monsters, acceptable. Not wanting to eat your vegetables or hiding the fact you got a bad report card so you could go outside to play with your friends, acceptable, though not without its consequences. Playing video games, watching Dragon Ball Z, and dressing up as Goku for Halloween, also acceptable. Even more acceptable by society standards, though, outgrowing these things. Darkness is necessary for a healthy sleep cycle, and vegetables play an extremely important role in human nutrition. For a long time, society expected you to give up video games and cartoons for more adult things like books about dead people and jazz. But for some of us, we wouldn't give it up. Nothing beat the feeling of cracking open a new game, popping it in the console, and being transported to another world. There's nothing quite like attending an anime convention and finding community and sometimes family and fans of the shows you like. The world at large may call us nerds, but nerds are mainstream now. We no longer lurk in the shadows, breathing heavily and wearing cargo shorts. Besides, if we're being real here, sports fanatics are just socially acceptable nerds. Fantasy football is basically a tabletop RPG. Within the last five to ten years, though, the rise of the blurred, or black nerd, has been apparent. It's a difficult intersection to navigate, doubly so for my guest Nikki Nanami because she's a woman of color. Take all the baggage that comes with being a black woman and refract it through a prism of weak-chinned internet trolls mad that you're alive and, uh, yeah. Nikki's long-term love affair with video games and anime of course started when she was a kid. What was growing up like? It sounds like there was a lot of video games, but I want to hear it in, in your words. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm born and raised from Baltimore. Um, been here my entire life. My dad's from New York. Um, he moved here when he was younger and met my mom, had me. I'm the youngest of three children. Um, I'm the baby. So I have a sister who is eight years older than me and a brother who was 11 years. So I kind of felt like an only child because of that big giant gap. Um, that we had and you know my siblings were out of the house by the time like I started to kind of get into my own personality I was kind of like an only child for a little bit but I had a lot of influence from my brother um, my brother and my dad are both like heavy gamers and when I was living with my brother he would play games all the time like Metal Gear Solid, um, Sui Coden, um, a lot of like um, not so popular games now, but back then, you know, if you know, you know. <laughs> so I would watch him play and I kind of just got into the groove of wanting to do the same thing. I would go sneak his games when he wasn't home and play it <laughs> and then put it back by the time he got off of work or from school. Same thing with my dad. He had a very, very huge collection of everything you can ever think of. PlayStation 1 games, PlayStation 2 games. It was like I lived at like Best Buy sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> it was really, really cool. It was really cool. And 
like there to think of all of my hobbies pretty much because I got it all from them. But I had a good, you know, I had a good childhood. Uh, like I said earlier, um, I was born on Halloween. So I had fun parties every year and I kind of just minded my business <laughs> and had fun. And that was really it. So when you were growing up and playing video games with your brother, did your brother mm -hmm. ever try to like scare you or traumatize you with video games? Because I have a younger sister and... <laughs> When I first built my computer, she yeah. really wanted to play uh, Skyrim on it. And oh. I, she's, I think, eight or nine years younger than me. So when Skyrim came out, that I was 22, I think. So uh -huh. she, I'm not good at math. So she was younger. But <laughs> she, she really wanted to play. And I was just like, all right, I'll let you play Skyrim if you get through the first level of a video game. And she's like, mm -hmm. oh, what video game? And I'm like, it's this game called Dead Space. Oh my God, <laughs> set her up. <laughs> So I just turned it on and then like I turned the lights off and I just watched her just completely lose her mind because <laughs> that space is uh, is pretty wild. So did your brother ever try to scare you with games and stuff like that? You know, it's funny. It was honestly my dad who did that. <laughs> it was my brother. He would like basically he didn't want to be bothered most of the time. But when he wanted me to watch, like when he wanted an audience, I was the person he knocked at the door and said, come on, come watch me play a game. And then I would watch him until he died too much and then he would kick me out. My father, <laughs> <laughs> he was big into Resident Evil. So um, there's this scene in Resident Evil, I want to say two. Yes, it was Resident Evil 2, I believe so. No, actually, the first Resident Evil ever, because it was the dogs. These dogs came out of the glass window. Yeah. So anyways, I was um, coming down the steps and he played like he had this big um, man cave. Big TV, surround sound, playing the game in the dark. Like, he loved the atmosphere of it all. So he was playing Resident Evil. I don't know exactly how old I was, but I was little, little. Like, I was a child. And um, he didn't know that I was actually watching him play. Because <laughs> usually he would have warned me, like, hey, go upstairs. So I was watching him kind of from the corner. As soon as I went down there, big old dog comes through the window, and I just, you hear my feet just pitter-patter upstairs. And it traumatized <laughs> me. He was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were watching. And then after that, he kind of kept scaring me on purpose, though. Like, he would come on and watch me play Silent Hill, knowing that oh my Silent God. Hill is like, that's terrifying. And I was a child. So yeah. um, he got a kick out of watching my, you know, reactions. And eventually I started to kind of dab into it myself. And I'm still like, I'm a big scaredy cat. I don't like horror games, but I still play them all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned um, Resident Evil because growing up for me, I don't know mm -hmm. if it was the first one or the second one, but I was mm -hmm. watching a family friend play it. And I think mm -hmm. looking back, like, I think that game gave me so when I was a kid, that game definitely gave me like my first child panic attack. But then <laughs> yeah. when Resident Evil 4 came out on GameCube, I, I played it. And um, when you make it out of the village, like mm -hmm. you just obviously assume, you know, something's going on with the villagers. But like when one of the Las Plagas things like explodes out of a villager's head, I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm turning this off. <laughs> Yeah, it was nasty. That was like the first time you really seen something like that in Resident Evil 2. Like, they yeah. really started to make the zombies just nastier and nastier as time went on. Yeah, it was absolutely disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so video games uh, definitely seem like part of your extracurricular activities. But uh, now I want to talk about um, about school. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you enjoy going to school or is you just felt like it was something that you had to get through so that you could go home and, and play video games and, and watch Toonami? Um, I really did not like school at all. 
um i've always been like a homebody i like to be home watching anime and playing video games like that was literally like my life growing up was playing call of duty watching naruto watching inuyasha um <laughs> all of those things so i really wasn't so big on school um but i would do what i had to do like i was one of those kids that stayed in my lane did my work got okay, good grades, came home and did what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, I did deal with like some bullying, like in early middle school years, but um, you know, I dealt with it and it got past it because I had something to kind of escape when I came home. So I would watch uh, Toonami, I would watch Yu Hakusho, Astro Boy, Hamtaro. It was like the favorite parts of my day. And then when Adult Swim would come on that night, I would stay up late and watch, you know, Aqua Teen Hunger Force and Paranoid <laughs> Agent. Like that was my, that was my shit. I really loved it. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. That basically is like a one-to-one -one comparison for my childhood too. Like Run yeah. Home, you know, Gundam Wing, Outlaw Star, yes. Uh, yes. all of that. And where did you uh, where did you go to school? I went to school. Actually, I went to um, for middle school. I went to Deer Park. Um, middle no, magnet. No, for real. Yeah. I went <laughs> did to you Deer go Park to? Too? Yeah, I went to Deer really? Park. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's what, funny. What years did you go? Um. Oh my gosh. Hold on. So. Oh Lordy, I gotta go look at. Gotta <laughs> I go get think your, get your yearbook. I gotta, yeah, I gotta go look at the yearbook. Hold on, I think so. I got into ninth grade in two thousand nine. So, two thousand six, uh, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Oh my gosh, I did not realize it's been that long. <laughs> I did not realize it has been that long. Oh my gosh, but yeah. And I went to um for high school. I went to Milford. Yeah, ninth grade. I was in um. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm literally getting old. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how I feel. If it makes you feel any better, I started uh, at Deer Park in 2000. 2000. Okay. You were ahead of me. Wow. It's funny that you, you mentioned that I was definitely, uh, you know, bullied at times as well. Cause I was just like that quiet nerdy kid, mm. but I feel mm -hmm. like now that we're older, uh, especially in the black community, like gaming and anime is a lot more um, accepted, mm -hmm. but we'll definitely uh, touch on that subject again. So uh, mm -hmm. Deer Park Middle, and then you went to Milford. What'd mm -hmm. you do after high school? So after high school, I went right into working. I was already working while I was in high school. Like at 16, I got a job at a supermarket. Like I just wanted to have an income really, really early because, you know, growing up for a period of time, of course, like we had, you know, financial issues. So I wasn't really used to always getting what I wanted when I wanted it. So um, I kind of just wanted to get straight into working. I did go to school part-time um, at Baltimore Community College. Uh, I did that for a little bit, but I did not finish. Um, I got so heavy into working at this hospital. I was there for seven years and seven years, mm. six, seven years goes by really, really fast. So it was like six and a half, seven years. And um, I just didn't realize how much time I put into that. And I kind of grew and working at a hospital, but then COVID came. And mm -hmm. when COVID came back in 2020, the, the way that things went there, I was just, I just couldn't do it anymore. Like I, I literally mentally, physically, emotionally, like in every sense, I had to leave that job. And I took the big risk of pursuing streaming 
um, full-time and cosplaying full-time, you know, after I saved a lot of money and I just kind of chased my dreams after I got out. So that's what I've been doing until I got a job recently, but we'll dive into that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So you worked in the hospital, in the hospital Mm -hmm. system for seven years, and then you made that big leap to Mm -hmm. uh, gaming and cosplaying full time. So let's jump into that. And mm-hmm. um, first, we're going to talk about just gaming and anime. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you currently playing for video games? And, and, and what are you watching in terms of anime? Mm-hmm. So right now, I've been playing Halo very heavily, like almost every day when I can. Um, I never played Halo growing up. But now that I have like a, um, a gaming PC, I'm able to play the games that were on Xbox. I grew up all PlayStation. Everything was Sony in my household and Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there was no Xboxes in sight. So <laughs> now that I have a gaming PC, I've been playing Halo and I absolutely love that. Also, I've been playing this game called Sifu. Um, it just came out about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, it's, yeah, I've heard of it. Oh, my God. I'm absolutely obsessed. Um, it's like Sekiro, you know, the Dark Souls. It's very, very 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 hard it's very very hard but um i like the challenge and you know i'm not the best at those type of games because this is my first game that i've ever played like that but um it's rewarding when i finally like oh i did this at you know this level this is so cool like i'm a badass you can't touch me now so (laughs) (laughs) i've been like enjoying doing that a lot so those have been the two games i mainly play like when i stream i play a lot of random games for like the community and stuff like that i try to change it up for them a lot with anime right now i have been watching attack on titan with my boyfriend um he's really really into it and now he's gotten me into it heavily so we watched it like every sunday we're watching that tonight <laughs> later on and oh, jojo yeah. it's so good i didn't like i used to be a fan of attack on titan years ago but um you know after so many spoilers that i got left and right it kind of like took my interest out of it like oh like everybody's telling me everything but once I started watching it myself I was like oh I can see why everybody keeps talking about it (laughs) I'm also watching Attack on Titan before uh I came up to my uh to like my home studio to do this I was on Crunchyroll and I was like okay is, is there a new Attack on Titan and I just started watching it and I was like, oh, maybe they're doing a recap. And I'm like, nope, I've, I've watched this episode. Uh, so <laughs> the new episode's not out yet. But I have been watching, um, I, don't, I don't know exactly mm-hmm. like what they're classified as, but Attack on Titan has like these in-between episodes where mm-hmm. they, 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 like, I guess you could call them filler episodes, but they're not part of the regular season lineup, so oh. to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching some of those just to get more context for, you know, the mm-hmm. world and the story. Those mm-hmm. have been interesting. I just started, uh, I just watched the first episode of the entertainment arc, dis- entertainment district arc for mm-hmm. um, Demon Slayer. Ah, um, my yeah. sisters and I watched the the Mugen Train movie and it was, it was very good, very emotional, but- uh, Made me cry so hard. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it was hard. Um, yeah. And what else have I been watching? Um, I have one episode left, but I've been watching this anime, uh, Skull Face bookseller, Honda-san. Um, it's a, mm-hmm. so obviously, you know, since it's an anime, it started out as a manga about, mm-hmm. it was a manga about a guy who used to work in a bookstore and then mm-hmm. it was adapted into a, a, an anime. And mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you know, short little like 10, 15 minute episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very you know, quirky and uh, stylized slice of life of what it's oh. like to 
to work in a bookstore. And I think in Japan, bookstore mm-hmm. culture is way different than it is in the States, just based off of the anime itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty good. Uh, I'm going to have to check out Sifu, though, because I'm a very big... I, I like pain when it comes to video games. <laughs> um, You're going to love it. Okay, cool. Because I played I played Sekiro, you know, Dark Souls, Cuphead, uh, Hollow Knight, <sighs> all that stuff. So I'll definitely... Yeah. Um, you're definitely... It's, it's going to fit you perfectly then. <laughs> okay, okay. It's gonna, you're going to love it. It has a different... The concept is a little different. Like, mm-hmm. I, um, basically, like, you go by age. So you start off a level at um, age 20. And as you, like, die in the game, you get older and older with a death count. So um, the goal of each level is to be the youngest you can be because that age carries onto the next chapter. So let's say you're at 50 years old in the second chapter where you're going to die pretty early before you get to the boss because they be kicking your ass, like, really hard. (laughs) Like, it's not, like you can get past everything just by button mashing. Like you have to really take your time because the smallest person will knock you in the back of your head and you're dead already in the beginning part of the level. It Mm. takes a lot of time learning the uh, map, the level, each enemy, you know, it's, it's a lot of studying that comes with it. And I think that's why I like it so much. So I think you'll love it. Okay. Yes. I I like screaming at my computer, so uh, (laughs) I'll definitely check it out. Um, So you've mentioned it a few times, and I want to jump into this now. You mm-hmm. are a, a Twitch streamer, so mm-hmm. for the older people, or you know, maybe younger people who live under mm-hmm. a rock that don't know, uh, Twitch is an online platform where people can um, play video games. They can stream themselves playing video games, or also, uh, I think the the genre is called just chatting, where it's like kind of like a like a talk show, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're a Twitch streamer and you're also a cosplayer. And again, for people who don't know, a cosplayer uh, is somebody who dresses up as characters from um, mainly anime, but it can also be like video games or movies. Um, if you've ever gone to like, I still pronounce it Otakon. I know it's probably pronounced Otakon, but if you've been to like Otakon, MAGFest, that's that's where like cosplayers shine. Um, so what are some misconceptions people have about those titles? So with streaming, I always hear when people talk about streaming with me, they always say, oh, I can't stream because I don't have a setup. I don't have a gaming PC or all of those things. And I always tell them, like, you can literally start streaming off of your console. Like, you don't need all of that, especially for the beginning um, of it all, because, you know, you don't want to spend thousands of dollars, hundreds of dollars for a setup if you're not really going to like streaming. You want to see if you're going to enjoy it first. Um, when I first started streaming, I was streaming off of my laptop, a small little laptop. And mm-hmm. I did that for like six, seven months, a good portion of like when things were growing for me, I was streaming off of a laptop. So I always tell people like, just be comfortable, be comfortable with it. Don't think you need all of the glitz and the glam because really to be successful with streaming, you have to have fun with it and you have to be yourself. The production comes later as you grow, but make sure when you start, make sure it's fun for you. You have to think about the people who are in taking your content, of course, but you don't want to start off doing things for others. You know, you want to do it for yourself. And then that way you'll have a genuine community who likes you for you, not for what you do for them. With cosplaying, um, (laughs) people don't really realize um how much work goes into cosplay it's not just putting on an outfit and going um 
you have to really, really, really put effort into it. And you have to have fun with it, of course, but you have to make sure that it's something that you really want to do because the community, it can be, there's a lot of eyes on you. It's a lot of eyes, a lot of opinions. So you have to have, you know, tough skin. You have to be comfortable. But I always tell like cosplayers, it doesn't matter how much you weigh. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how much you look like the character. You do not have to look like the character that you are cosplaying to cosplay the character at all. You can cosplay whoever you want to. And when it comes to content creation, I always tell people like, make sure you're doing it for you. Make sure you're having fun for you and make it the way that you want to. So there's a lot of control that we put over these things, but I think really just enjoying it and having fun is the most important part of it. In this DMV area, Uh is there a network of cosplayers that all know each other and all kind of go to the same cons together? Uh Yeah, yeah. In the DMV area, definitely. There's not, I didn't realize how many there were until really recently until I started going to cons or seeing friends at cons and I'm like wait you live in Virginia wait you're that close I didn't realize it but I was already friends with a lot of them so there is like a um very 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 nice circle of cosplayers who all know of each other and now I feel like with the cosplay community it's grown so much especially since the pandemic almost everybody knows everybody if you know one cosplay this cosplayer is going to know the other cosplayer who cosplayed this and it's really really growing and that's my favorite part of it all like because before when I used to go to Otakon before I started cosplaying you know 2017 16 um I didn't have any friends who really liked to cosplay it was just me and my friend we would go by ourselves and I was like, I want cosplay friends. I want to meet people. And it took a while. But once I started, you know, getting on Twitter and Instagram, TikTok, there's a huge community, especially in the DMV area. And I love that so much. You're listening to Local Color. I'm Jason V. I'm speaking with Twitch streamer and cosplayer Nikki Nanami. And when we come back, we continue our conversation about anime, cosplaying and video games. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Local Color. I'm your host, Jason V. Before the break, my guest Nikki Nanami talked about finding the DMV cosplaying community. And for all its bright spots, there can be tension at times. What happens if there's cosplay drama? Does it just kind of <laughs> ripple through the whole community? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like, it's honestly, I try personally, I try to stay under the radar because, um, Word travels fast in the cosplay community. Um, There is, there's a lot of positive, but I'm going to keep it a hundred with you. There's a lot of negative too. You know what I mean? There's a lot of jealousy that, you know, is in the cosplay community. It's personally why, you know, I took some time away from it just for my mental health more say I wasn't a part of anything, but just seeing it, you know, you open up the timeline and you want your timeline to not drain you. You want it to inspire you. I don't want to get on the timeline and see people just looking for trouble within each other when it's really not, it shouldn't be all of that. But, you know, that's what happens when you see people who are being recognized by big companies, um, anime companies, and they're like, oh, my cosplay didn't get to that. And they start poking at, you know, a cosplayer who's successful, or there's a lot of things that just happen behind closed doors. And Mm -hmm. it can be, you know, it can be hard to deal with. It can be hard to deal with. There's a lot of um, personalities. When you have so many different personalities um, kind of clashing, 
you know, drama is going to happen. I try to keep a good relationship with everybody that I know. I support other cosplayers a lot, spend a lot of time, you know, watching their TikToks, getting inspiration and also like, wow, like you're doing amazing. Like, I love this. I, you know, I can't wait to upgrade my cosplay like that. So I kind of took it like I want to have fun with it because cosplaying can be a thankless job. We really don't make money for cosplaying. People mm-hmm. think you might, but it's expensive as hell and, and you don't make that much from it. So for me, I'm like, I'm not going to put so much of myself into this mentally if it's not giving me what I need. So I take a lot of breaks with cosplaying now just to give myself that mental break. When we were talking earlier, you had said that you you do have like another mm-hmm. job now in addition to streaming and cosplaying. Mm-hmm. So th- mm-hmm. is the job a way to obviously allow you to to finance your your cosplay endeavors? Yes, exactly. Literally that, that and streaming. (laughs) Um, Originally streaming was like my big income. I saved a lot of money before I left my hospital job. Um, But streaming was a good portion of my income. But once I started to work, I couldn't stream as much. So I had to take a pause on cosplaying as a whole. And also I had to take a little pause on streaming just to get back into the groove of working full time because I wasn't used to it anymore. You know, I had to make that job my priority and um, it still is kind of one of my priorities right now, of course, because it's funding my streaming upgrades that I might need. You know, sometimes stuff just stops working out of nowhere or you want to get a new stream deck or a new mic. And um, having this job now has given me the window to be able to do that. I actually just brought a cosplay that came in the mail. It's definitely helping me fund those cosplays again so I can really have fun with it because when you're doing content creation full-time, you're counting your pennies a lot more and it's kind of like damn like I really want to do this cosplay I really want to cosplay this character but I gotta pay bills so (laughs) you know I tried to like you know I had some some of my um community members a lot of my supporters some of them sent me cosplays to you know wear and I love that I love that so much but I wanted to be able to have the ability to fund my own as well so I just took that break but now I'm back I'm back (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting there (laughs) well I'm sure your uh your view and your fans will be happy to uh, mm-hmm. to have you back. What are some obstacles you've encountered as a woman of color in the very white and frankly misogynist world of video games and also um, like cosplaying and just the like anime culture of our time? Mm, it's um, definitely what I'll say in both communities, both streaming and cosplaying. The worst thing is the racism that we deal with um, almost daily almost daily. Um, I didn't realize how bad it was until um, actually it was 2020. I had did a cosplay. It was a Gwen Stacy cosplay from Spider-Man. And um, that was the first time one of my cosplays like really blew up. And I was so happy, so excited. Um, but then it got posted on a lot of other sites like Reddit and um, iFunny. And, you know, some of those sites, you know, it's not always the best amount of people in there. So I read through a lot of the comments thinking there were going to be people complimenting my cosplay. There was a lot of racist comments and um, I almost cried because I have never dealt with racism so close to home like that. Like I've heard stories, you know, we see things on TV, we hear things, but to be up and close and personal, even online, it made me feel so vulnerable and weak and it, it messed with me a lot. I had to really, really, really grow some tough skin, which I feel like isn't fair for black women. Like, you know, I feel like we're always so forced to be tough and to be strong, 
But I feel like personally, we should be able to be soft and we should be able to be sensitive and, you know, have safe spaces. But it's hard in um, the cosplaying community as well as the Twitch community. Um, as Black streamers, we have to prepare for the hate race that come around. Um, and the now what's been going on, which is so scary to me, um, a couple of streamer friends actually have had to deal with this. There are people actually going in, racists going into someone's chat um, mm -hmm. and doxing their address, doxing what? their address, yes, doxing their address and giving it to the police and saying, you know, there's a black man doing X, Y, and Z. And the police actually came to two of, you know, our peers' friends' houses, to their houses. And, um, you know, we're there, police. And that yeah. could, you know, as a black person, that's the one of the worst things that you could do, you yeah. know, to that puts us in a lot of danger. So that's been actually happening now with Twitch. It's scary. And we're hoping Twitch can do something about this because last year we were getting hate rated and it wasn't that bad. Um, but it was bad enough. Like I had got rated, um, my discord got hate rated back in October for my birthday. I did this big birthday stream and I had karaoke set up for my community members. And then right on live, um, they came in and started yelling um, slurs, spamming my discord. And it was on my it was on my actual birthday, I think. Um, and it scared the crap out of me. So it's definitely that's the worst thing. I don't even deal with so many like, you know, guys saying, oh, you suck at this game. You know, a lot of the people I've came in contact with have been very kind to me. The biggest thing, the hugest obstacle is the racism. I don't think there's anything worse than that right now in content creation. Yeah, I agree. And I think anybody who's been playing video games or any black person who's been playing video games for any amount of time can tell you that's all you ever really worry about. Like when you speak of Halo, so I, I used to play Halo uh, when I was younger. So Halo mm -hmm. 2, Halo 3. And back in the day, Xbox Live lobbies were sick those people oh. were absolutely awful so like i i just don't think that non pocs understand the uh -huh. like the silent kind of pressure that you're dealing with when you're playing a game online with somebody so like for example uh -huh. i play apex legends so uh -huh. i'll be in a um in a squad with people uh -huh. And as we're dropping, if I hear somebody talking, I'm like, okay, cool. So at least I know this person has a mic. But then you kind of start this internal timer in your head. Like, when is somebody going to say the N-word or just something like blatantly ignorant or racist uh -huh. about Black people or other types of minorities? And uh -huh. um, something else that I want to mention, I'd seen this years back. Um, uh -huh. There was a black hearthstone player uh he's, he was doing really well he was getting a bunch of wins people were talking to him about his deck i don't play hearthstone so i can't give you like the the the, the super like intricate details about it mm -hmm. um but an article had come out because whenever he played people would be in the twitch chat just spewing mm -hmm. hatred and racism and they're like well does twitch have a have a have a racism problem and i'm like no, Twitch doesn't have a racism problem. Some white people are just shitty. And I don't uh -huh. understand why we want to dance around this subject. Like, you don't know, you know, your one friend, Tyler, who just gets on the like Rainbow Six and is just a racist, misogynist asshole. Like, it's, it's really that simple. There's uh -huh. I, the biggest problem, I would say, is like Twitch might have a problem 
combating or countering it but it's mm-hmm. not like that twitch is inherently racist it's the people who come to the platform are just not nice people yeah literally and it's unfortunately it takes up so much of the community you know like you said it's it's more sometimes you feel like it's more of them than it is of us and you know it is dominated more by the white community so it's we're trying to make our space there i think that's really what the twitch community the black twitch community what they're trying to do what we're trying to do um is make a space make more we want more black streamers we want more people who look like us to get on that platform so we can have a space so we can have an opportunity just like everybody else honestly and that's a perfect segue into my next question uh can you talk to me about the Noir Network and the support they provide to uh, women of color streamers? Oh, I absolutely love them so much. (laughs) Every time I talk about um, the Noir Network, I smile to myself because it has been, they have been one of the best things to ever happen to me. And honestly, a lot of other Black women as well. Um, I really, really love Mira. Mira is the creator of the Nora Network and Ali and T are the community managers. Um, They came together and really put something that I never thought could happen for us. I always wanted to happen for black women, like a big giant team of just women who are doing the damn thing, like they're doing it. (laughs) Um, Mira, actually the creator of Noir Network, she um, started with making mods for Sims. Um, Sims, you know, when you're growing up, they had like, you can make your character black and you can make your character look like you. But um, what Mira started to do was really, really, really get into the modern of Sims and Mm -hmm. make characters really look like black women, like from the lips to the hairstyles to what we wear and everything. And that's kind of how I heard about her. So um, she was inspiring already. (laughs) But once I became a part of the Nord Network, I see how much they teach us, how much they've learned, you know, when it comes to how you should rate, you know, when you're giving your rates to companies, because a lot of these companies, you know, they see a black woman on Twitch and they don't want to pay us a lot of money for everything that we'll do with, you know, 30K followers, 10K on TikTok. You know, they don't want to pay us much, (laughs) but we'll pay, you know, our white counterparts way more. So what the Noir Network is doing is where they're trying to get women on board with standing up for themselves and aligning those boundaries and knowing their worth and helping them get opportunities. Um, They also share information, not even just within our community, they share it with um, the Twitch community as a whole. They will create uh, Twitter spaces and they'll have Twitter spaces where basically they talk about for about two hours, everything that they know and learned about, you know, the do's and the don'ts, how to get recognized, how to, you know, Um, talk to your mods, how to do this, X, Y, and Z, everything that you need for free. So, um, and everything they do for us is for free. And they give us um, offers and sponsorships and opportunities. I got to work with the CW because of Noir Network. And um, that, yeah, I'm still like, how did that happen? Like, you know, I've (laughs) I've never, I would have never thought. It hasn't even been a year since the network has been up and running. So, that's actually like scary to me because next year you never know what we could be doing. So um, shout out to the Noir Network. I'm I'm very grateful, very honored to be a part. And I always get excited to talk about them. 
<laughs> it sounds like they're doing great work. It sounds like it's like a fantastic advocacy mm-hmm. and uh, like opportunity network for mm-hmm. uh, those women of color who are on Twitch, just trying to make their way. And, and like you said, just really trying to get what they are owed and what they deserve mm-hmm. in terms of pay and exposure and opportunities. Like it, it crosses all industries, but it's like, mm-hmm. wherever we are, we always have to, we always have to have that twice as good talk with ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's very rewarding. And I, I hope to see um, more groups, you know, like I would love to see all, you know, all black male um, streaming company come through and they have a network. Like I want to see more, of people getting together and putting all of those brains and that talent together to really make a bigger name, you know? I think that's awesome, yeah. So Twitch has been around for, I think maybe like a little over 10 years now, but I think within the last few years, it's really become this this force in entertainment and streaming. And you see people on there just making tons and tons of money. And it's similar with, uh, with podcasting, like, um, I've been podcasting for, I think this year will be seven years and wow. yeah. And from when I start, so I started in 2015 and now mm-hmm. I want to say within like the last two to three years, it's really mm-hmm. exploded in popularity. And, mm-hmm. and of course with that, you know, you got companies and, and really like, like celebrities and other people who kind of already have an audience just starting a podcast and immediately seeing success, which, you know, I'm not super salty about it but you know it's another story for another day um (laughs) so i i think that there's a lot of overlap with um with twitch and podcasting Uh specifically people who think that they can just start a podcast or hop on twitch and just start Uh making big money tomorrow but it sounds like and i want you to uh to you know clarify and Uh and talk about it a little bit more how much physical mental and emotional work goes into being a compelling entertaining streamer it's literally your entire life. If you really, really want it, I have to tell people you have to really, really want it because it will, it, it will take over your life. If you let it, if you let it, if you really allow yourself to get engulfed into it, it can be the only thing that you care about. And similar to like what you said about podcasting, um, it is easier with Twitch. It's easier. If you already have a big platform somewhere else, it's way easier to bring that platform onto Twitch and, and reach those those goals and hit that partner mark way before um, other streamers who may have been doing it for years. I see it happen a lot. So um, I always tell people like, don't get discouraged by that because Twitch is hard as hell to grow on. It's, it's not something you can just do and hop on and expect you to be able to pay your bills. Um, my first, to be transparent with you, my first couple of months, I wasn't really making that much. I, I really wasn't. Um, it picked up a little bit and then died down tremendously. And I was like, wow, like this is hard. And, you know, when I started, I had a pretty good following, you know, I feel like, but um it depends on what the weather is like outside. It's dependent on if it's holiday time. It's dependent if, you know, a lot of your viewers are in school. There are so many variables that can impact that. So I try to tell people, you got to just be patient, go with the flow, and what's for you will be for you when it's meant to be for you, if it is meant to be for you. So um, it's definitely not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> um, you have to really um, not 
get so wrapped up on the numbers. This is something I, I still am learning. You know, if my viewership isn't what it was, you know, a month ago or two months ago, that doesn't mean I'm a bad streamer. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm falling off. That just means, you know, there's something else I might have to change up and do. Like, you know, maybe I need to change how I change what games I play and or change the formula or whatever it may be. Or maybe I need to be more community driven. Like Twitch is really, really heavy on community. You can't just get on there and then get off. You have to get on there and then network. You have to get on there and create a relationship with each viewer in that chat, um, each other streamer. You know, you have to collab with them, get to know them, get to know their community and all of that. That's a, that's a job in itself. If you have a job outside of that, like it's going to be hard. It's going to be very, very hard because it's never ending. The content creation, anything podcasting, anything that you do that isn't like your nine to five, you're going to put more than nine to five into it. Sometimes for me, I feel like it's 24 seven. It takes a damper on your mental health. I take a lot of breaks now because um, I struggle with mental health issues and I personally don't want to. <laughs> so <laughs> I try my best to like take care of myself more than ever because before I was being very unhealthy when it came to streaming. Like I was streaming every day for these long hours and seven hours, you know, sometimes I would do like 10 and pushing myself, pushing myself to stream on days where I didn't feel well mentally, pushing myself to cosplay when I didn't feel well. I did so, a lot of my content, unfortunately, was produced when I was not in a good mental space. And I wanted to make sure that this year, you know, 2022, that I did everything when I feel, I do everything when I feel good, not when I want to produce content for them. Like, it's not going to be as good. Like, I feel like maybe they can tell. So I'm a big advocate on mental health. Take as many breaks as you need to. I understand how social media is with the algorithm. If you aren't posting on Twitter or Instagram or streaming, I actually realized this recently. If you're not, if you don't stream for 30 days, Sometimes they actually minimize, they turn off your notifications that go out to your viewers. So if you take a 30-day break, mm -hmm. you come back and people aren't even going to know that you're live. So yeah. I, I feel like uh, social media, a lot of the time, it'll punish us for not being on there 24 seven and mm. a lot of your hard work, you know, to get that algorithm on your side, to get those consistent views, those likes, um, it, it dies down if you aren't on there consistently sometimes, but I kind of, you have to choose yourself first and, you know, it's just one of those sacrifices you have to make, um, cause you want to make sure your mental health is, you know, safe and is taken care of the, the people can wait. If they really are for you. If they really love you, they'll wait. And then when you come back, you're going to be back in a better mental space. And you're going to bring on more members who are going to love you for you with like Twitch and even YouTube. And I, mm -hmm. and I think that Facebook also has streaming and stuff. Now, do you mm -hmm. feel like in the next three to five or even 10 years that the, the, the streamer, the, the influencer or, or the content creator is going to be like the next big uh, industry for just like regular people to, to, to make money? Yeah, hell yeah. Um, like <laughs> in a short amount of time, I've seen the transition from streaming in 2019, 2020 to 2022. And like, this is the time 
right now where I feel like if you want to stream, if you want to get into it, if you want to get into content creation now, do it now. Like start this year. I always ask this question to my guests as I'm, I'm closing out the interview. Um, mm-hmm. What's coming up next for you? What, what you got cooking? Mm, for me, what I want to do, I really want to become a Twitch partner. I really want to become partnered. Um, that's something that I am not going to put a lot of pressure on myself for. Like, I'm not going to, you know, if I don't do it, I'll be upset at myself or anything like that. But um, my next big thing is getting bigger on Twitch. I want to improve my cosplays. Um, I have a new camera. Um, I want to start having the backdrops. I want to start editing them more. Um, I want to get more into creating cosplays and props and, you know, getting into the, my creative juices more, really having fun with it and also producing more quality over quantity. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, um, is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't already gone over? Um, let me see. Let me see. Um, oh, uh, can I talk about one of my, like the person who influenced me to do this? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my, one of two, two of my biggest inspirations, I'll say, um, it kind of goes hand in hand on who was like my favorite, but, um, <laughs> I have, um, a streamer, um, influencer that I look up to so much and his name is Berlizzi. Um, he actually like, he's the reason him and Corey Kenshin are both the reasons why I'm even doing streaming now. Um, when 2020 hit and I was working at the hospital and I was going through a lot of, uh, back and forth um between do I want to really do this like I really want to stream like I love watching him because he was helping me get through so much of my depression I would come home um after work and I didn't have energy to play a game myself I didn't have energy to do anything for myself but come home and watch him play games that I liked so um he really saved me like mentally like it gave me a different perspective and I'm like I felt connected. And of course, like, I know he doesn't really know me. Well, now he knows of me. So that's great. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't want to come off like, Oh, you know, I'm your fan. Like I'm just a really big supporter. And even if we never like meet, if we never even become friends, that's fine. I'm just happy to have been inspired by him and Corey Kenshin. So, and the, he's a big streamer. Like he has like sometimes over 10,000 viewers in there one time. I'm just like, holy shit, it's, it's inspiring. I have a picture of him right next to my calendar at my PC. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that, that's amazing and inspirational. Well, um, again, thank you so much for the uh, opportunity to sit down with you. I'm, I'm going to say it right. It is <laughs> Nikki Nanami, right? Yes, yes. yes that was I it. it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Well, uh, again, thank you so much for the opportunity to interview you, and I hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you. I did. I really had fun. This was really, really nice. I appreciate the opportunity. Love what you're doing. That was Nikki Nanami, Twitch streamer and anime cosplayer. Find her on IG at Nikki N A N A M I. Catch her streaming on Twitch twitch.tv slash Nikki Nanami TV. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Local Color. The podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jason V. The podcast is distributed by Your Public Studios. New episodes of Local Color will be released the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Learn more about Local Color at wypr.org.